Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Two weeks ago, St. Louis County announced that it was imposing some pretty big new limits on youth sports. Coronavirus cases were surging, and County Executive Sam Page announced that such sports were, quote, the primary source of spread in the community. Both parents and some local pediatricians pushed back on that assertion. And last week, a joint statement clarified Page's allegation. But the limits do remain. And joining us today to talk about the controversy and the science behind COVID-19 and kids is Dr. Dr. Jason Newland. He's a professor of pediatrics at Washington University and director of the Antimicrobial Stewardship Program at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Dr. Newland, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I want to start here with the big picture. How big of a driver are youth sports when it comes to spread in the community? What's your sense of this? So when we look at um, specific cases, we don't find really any case at this point, and though it can be hard to tell, that the actual competition between two athletes has led to spread or led to more transmission. It's it's unknown. And so I do believe that, you know, the initial statement by Dr. Page was what was concerning, suggesting that. But I think, you know, when we still, I was a member of the task force that said we still needed to back off of sports. Mm-hmm. Partially because as we've seen, um, as of yesterday, right, we set a new record in St. Louis County with 523 new cases. We've almost doubled the number of cases in just a week from the prior week. That We're seeing an exponential rise in cases. And so our task force believed, while we're not seeing definitive cases, we know that there's a lot of congregating, and we're just asking to have a case among our athletes or, or an outbreak with our athletes. And so our, our task force felt it was very important to be, you know, really, really proactive um, to do this early uh, because we would be in the situation we're in now. So, Dr. Newland, earlier today, St. Louis County had another, uh, I guess, yes. a press conference, and they introduced some new restrictions, these that impact adults and, and businesses. I was very surprised to see they've limited gatherings to 50 people. And I guess what was surprising to me is up until these new restrictions, they were allowing gatherings of up to 100 people. And that was going forward even as they pulled way back on the youth sports. Am I wrong in thinking of this as it seems like this might be a case of misplaced priorities? The, the 100 people might be a bigger problem than parents gathered outside at a, at a softball game. Um, Sarah, I would agree. Um, I think we, we, we talked about that. And there was no doubt that the county was looking to try to make these decisions. And that was definitely the conversations that we had uh, frequently back and forth um, around that. We, you know, my role in this was more to you know, focus on what we thought was the right thing to do mm-hmm. uh, in regards to the Kids and and I, I think today was a good step forward, right? I think that the county's seeing this now. Of course, um, I've been calling to, then you will know. I've been calling to say shut down the bars completely at this point in time. But look, we're we're limiting some of this. We're limiting it down even further. I think that's the right thing to do, um, and it's good that we're seeing things push forward. These are super hard decisions. Mm-hmm. It's super hard to tell parents. I'm a parent with three three teenagers with two that are active in sports. And it was very difficult to tell my youngest daughter that she couldn't go play in a basketball tournament out in St. Charles County because I just don't believe it's the right time to do these things. Mm -hmm. And while, yes, the children got pushed out in front in early, and I understand all the grief and anger toward that decision because it's like it it didn't feel fair, and I get that. 
we just had to step up to do the right thing at that time because the biggest and most important thing that I believe our community should focus on is getting our children back into school. Mm-hmm. In-person school is essential. It's essential not only for the education, but the socialization, the, the, uh, the additional supports one gets in school. I mean, child abuse and neglect cases are, are you know, less often reported if we're not in school. I mean, school is a safe place mm-hmm. and it's an important place so that we make sure that our community continues to grow and we get rid of some of the disparities that will be seen if all we do is virtual learning. So I think that was also a big driver for me. So, you know, you're the chairman of the St. Louis Sports Medicine Task Force. And, and if I may try to summarize what you're saying there, basically, you guys had to tackle youth sports. You don't have the ability to tackle bars. You would have liked to see bars go first, but you had to do what you could. The concern is, it, it, the spread is concerning. Absolutely. And, and to me, the worst thing we could see for youth sports is that we did see an outbreak. We had to operate beforehand. So it's, it's an unpopular decision. And it, in, honestly, it should be an unpopular decision that, you know, we're never going to know. We were only going to know we were wrong is if we had an outbreak in a, in a youth sports club. That's when we would have known we were wrong, in my opinion. And so that's what drove. That's what really drove us. And, and I'll tell you, Sarah, even if, let's say, we were seeing a bunch of cases in 30 and 40-year-olds and not in the youth, we would have made the same recommendation. We would have all band together. I think... We were, it was unfortunate the initial narrative came out that it was the youth. I think that was the part. I think we all kind of talked, and that's why we came out with a joint statement last week to kind of say, hey, look, we really are on the same page. And, and honestly, we have to be unified, right? When our, you know, that's what's been hard is unification will help us get through this better. And I feel like that's kind of where we, we're still working to do that. And, I, and I'm one of those that have to be more unified as well. Um, If you're listening to this conversation and you have thoughts about this, or if you have questions for Dr. Newland, we want to hear from you. Do you think youth sports competitions need these serious restrictions to keep us safe? Why or why not? You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air, or you can email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. And so the restrictions that are currently on the books, this is youth teams in the county can only practice with their own teammates in groups of 10 or fewer with no spectators. No games or tournaments are allowed in the county. Um, Some people have pushed back on this and said, kids are now just going to travel to Illinois or they're going to go to places like St. Charles that don't have these restrictions. We're almost pushing it underground. What would you say to that? I wish they wouldn't go to Illinois and do it. I wish they wouldn't go to St. Charles County do it. I think it goes back to this notion that we all have to be in this together. Um, And, you know, we know people are going to do what they believe is the right thing to do for them at this point in time. We continue to see more cases. I, like I said, we've seen a, almost a doubling in a week, um, and that's going to continue until we really back off on some of our activity levels like we did when we had to shut down. And, and I think that's the right thing to do so that we can have fall sports. I mean, people need to realize that you know, if you have high schoolers that want to play you know, a high school fall sport, if they're virtual, they're not, they're, they can't do high school sports. I mean, mm-hmm. that's part of the Missouri State recommend, uh, guidance. And so... To me, why should we, let's not worry about the summer as much. Let's worry about getting ourselves so we can have the fall. 
and do more things in the fall and continue to push so that our really the, the focus being let's get our kids in school. Now, last Monday, the St. Louis Sports COVID-19 Coalition, I think this is a new group formed uh, particularly over yes. these restrictions, they held a virtual conference protesting these restrictions. One of the main speakers was Dan Buck. He's the managing partner of Big Sports Properties. That's a developer of the sports complex Powerplex. And if his voice sounds familiar here in a second, he's also a former anchor at KSDK. Here's what Dan Buck said at that virtual protest. Meanwhile, we've seen families loading up the car, going to Union, going to Cape, going to O'Fallon, Illinois, going to O'Fallon, Missouri, Memphis, Indy, Nashville. And despite all that travel, all those tournaments, thousands of teams gathered in social settings, we still don't have one confirmed case of a team outbreak anywhere in St. Louis County. Can I get an amen? St. Louis select teams are COVID-free, folks. Kind of blows the rationale, the myths, the theories, the fear-mongering practices, and all that Sam Page has been presenting, and how tournaments are just so risky. Eight weeks and counting since Memorial Day when tournaments opened across the Midwest, and no travel team transmissions of any large scale. And that is Dan Buck of Big Sports Properties. Dr. Newland, I want to give you a, a chance to respond to what he's saying there. Is he, um, is he operating with the facts? Well, you know, Dan and I actually spoke soon after the initial statements came out, before even the coalition came together, and we do see this differently. Mm -hmm. um, I think we haven't seen, thankfully, um, any known outbreaks, or there hasn't been any reported that we're aware of. It's really difficult right now because we have delay in testing. We have inability to do any contact tracing because of the delay in turnaround testing. I mean, it is a real difficulty, but we haven't seen that. And I think what's different that I believe, that I see differently than Dan and the rest of the coalition is that I don't want to see any outbreaks in the team. I don't want to wait until there's an outbreak in teams because I think then it's too late. And we're seeing that. And I don't want to be the one that I have to hear about the transmission from a sports team member that goes to someone in a vulnerable condition or one of their elderly grandparents or these that then ends up in a hospital or something more tragic. And, and that's, a, that's a real conservative approach. And, and I believe for children, that's the right approach at this point in time. And, and Dan and the coalition has every right to push back and have every right to voice that concern. And I definitely hear it sitting where I sit in public health um and you know part of that is my role i just believe we need to focus on what i believe is more important at this point in time which is really getting our children back to school and it's not going to be possible if we promote big congregate some of these congregating settings um that could have some transmission and outbreaks and so that's kind of what what my my belief is and how I I've operated through this pandemic so far we've heard from a number of our listeners uh, many of them through social media and if you do want to join us our phone lines are now open at 314-382-8255 that's 382-TALK um, on Facebook Chris writes the Miami Marlins had to cancel their game today yes. because 14 <laughs> players yeah <laughs> Dr. Newland you and I are I was waiting for reaction. this one <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for that I was like this isn't gonna happen I wouldn't have that's about which team do you want to bet on first, but it's sorry, the Marlins. Yeah. No, sorry. 14 players, as, as Chris writes, and coaches tested positive for COVID. Major league teams with world-class facilities and resources can't avoid this. How do we think children can? Do you see that as, as a wake-up call? What happened here with Major League Baseball, Dr. Newland? You know, sir, yes. I mean, this is the hard part, right? Like, once you get enough 
and they're around each other and they get into a locker room or they, you know, or they're just congregating because they're sitting in between each other, you know, it, it's going to happen. And it's, I love the fact that I could watch the Cardinals this weekend and even have it on in the background. And I thought, wow, this is great. And then I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, how long will this last? And of course, this morning I see this, and I'm like, you know, it's hard, especially when we have such widespread community transmission across the United States. I mean, there's not many places that don't have just really substantial transmission, including our own areas. So, I mean, we're just asking to see one of these outbreaks and then, you know, that's unfortunately too late because mm-hmm. there's that one, there's more likely to occur around that. Um, and, and I'll say this, look, I've worked with these, these clubs and people should know, I mean, these clubs have done amazing jobs to make it safe. They've done fabulous work to try to, you know, to really make it safe. But once you start doing the competing and once you start putting them more together and we do this, the risk is just going up and up. And especially as we have such high level transmission in the city, most likely there's going to be somebody walking into that club that's probably positive about to develop symptoms. And we know you can transmit it, especially to teenagers, before you even have symptoms. And that's that's what's hard. That's what's concerning. Mm-hmm. We also got an email from Michelle in Crevecore. She writes, both sports and non-sports activities are important for children's development. But with parents having to make decisions about virtual or in-classroom learning, would you be concerned that participation of youth in all group activities, not just sports, potentially increases the risk in schools for everyone, including those who may not be participating in those activities? Uh, Dr. Newland, your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I mean, anything that's promoting congregating of these kids into these groups that are close settings um, can definitely, you know, lead to some transmission, leading to more people having the disease, therefore leading to more people transmitting it to others. Um, That's where we are. That's where we are today on July 27th, where we're seeing the highest level of cases we are. And I think we all have to remember that because of the delay in testing um, and testing turnaround, we're looking at a snapshot of probably five days ago. So the mm. case level of 523 yesterday, many of those positive results, those tests weren't done in probably four or five days prior. There's some that were more recent, but, you know, that, you know, we're already behind the eight ball or we're behind when we're looking at current level of cases. So it's, it's you have to assume it's worse than what it appears. And that's what's that's what's hard. So um, I want to ask you about something else while we have you here. It's it's so nice to have an expert willing to just let us pick their brains. And I know with youth sports, this is mostly kids in high school and, and college where this is really a big issue. But there's also this question of what do we do? So many parents grappling with do they send their kid back to school yes. in person or not? And there's a question about very young children. One of the theories is that children under 12 may be, quote, viral dead ends. I'm curious what you know about that theory and, and how that impacts what we should do with younger kids when it comes not to sports, but to school. Yeah, so the younger kids are a fascinating story in all of this. And why that's so is when we think of previous pandemics, we think of influenza. And we all know that the flu virus, it gets in the kids and then they spread it to all of us. And that's what makes us all sick. It's it's the kids. And so <laughs> early on in this pandemic, it was like shut down the schools because that's just going to lead this to be a bigger forest fire. Um, and, and that was the right move. You had to do that. But as data has come out, there was an interesting paper from Iceland, and you look at these kids under 10 in a population, none of them had it. You look at a daycare in New York City, daycares in New York City is where they hardly had any positive cases in the daycare during the height of the pandemic, right, when we were seeing on news how the hospitals were getting overrun. So there is this notion that, you know, these younger children, where that age cut off, whether you want to say 12, 10, 
I mean, I would suggest the younger the child, probably the less likely they are to transmit. But it doesn't mean they don't transmit. It just appears to be less. And they do appear to get be less likely to get sick. So <laughs> if you look at household studies and you take an adult household that, member that has the, the virus is infected, the likelihood that they're going to transmit it to a child is like 4%. Really interesting when their likelihood to transmit to, let's say, another adult is 28 to 30 percent. That's a so, huge difference. Uh, what huge is, what difference. is the thinking on why? Why are little well, kids sheltered from this? Well, it's interesting. One, one, one hypothesis would be that these younger children are less li- or have a less amount of the receptor in their bodies or in their noses. So that receptor right is essentially the spot where the virus is going to come and attach to that then come into your cells and make you sick. So that's one makes sense, right? Biologically, if I don't have as many things to, that the virus to attach to, then maybe I can't get it as much. But we don't necessarily know. Hmm. There is data that does show, though, that if, let's say, like, your five- or six-year-old gets the virus, that they are still going to produce the same amount of virus as an adult. But there's no data suggesting, really, that they're transmitting it near as efficiently as an adult. So there's still all of these questions. I do think that the younger age group is likely a, a pretty safe group. But with that being said, I, I think kindergartners through fifth grade now, and I've evolved on my thinking, is like we should have them in mask and work with them to wear the mask as much as possible. Because I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned that I wish I would have thought better about early on in this is, is how we work better with our teachers and talking with them. Because look, they need to be, they need to feel safe and know they are safe. And that's something that we need to work more on because I get it, right? Like you see this many cases in the in the community and then someone says, okay, I want you to go stand in front of a group of people that's going to be about 25 or 30 um, in a building that's going to have about, you know, a few hundred. And you're like, well, you shut us down before we really had cases and now you expect me to do that? I mean, really? I mean, so I think there's a lot to be done to really demonstrate the safe. I believe this. I believe the schools um, are going to be some of the safest places in the in the county to go to hmm. or in the city to go to because of these school superintendents, these school administrators have done so many things to make it safe. Um, and, and we just as a community have to come together and, and, and really figure out for your school or whatever when you feel it's safe. But I know it's going to be safe and I think it's going to even be safer once we band together to get the cases even lower. So we're seeing so many parents right now, um, even if they have the choice to go in person, who are choosing to say, you know what, I want my kid to do the virtual option and not to judge them for that choice. But you're saying with common sense uh, precautions and with people taking care to create these safe environments, you think kids can be safe going back to in-person learning this fall? I do, but I think it really, really is predicated on us as a society as a community to band together to really decrease the transmission of the virus. Mm-hmm. It's only the, it's only it's what's fair to our educators, to our children. I mean, to me, I, and I think this can happen is that in our schools, their goal, and I know this is their goal, is to have no transmission, right? And and you can you can achieve that goal like all the time if you have hardly any be anybody walking into the school being positive. Right now. You know, that's a little harder thing to deal with. I think the younger kids, for sure, the elementary schools, are going to be much safer, right? Because they're going to be less likely to transmit. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, it, we can do this, but I think it has to be like right now. I mean, 
I would say like yesterday and a few days ago, like we have to be banding together to say, okay, kids first, let's get them to school that we're going to do that by reducing, getting down the level of transmission in our community. And then it's going to be a great place. And we will have probably one of the healthiest um, falls we've ever seen. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of people rolling their eyes at me right now, and that's fair. Um, but I, I really believe it, it can be done, and I believe school's the best place for our kids. There's so much benefit from in-person school that I don't think I even realized and still starting to work on this over the last couple months. Okay, so you feel strongly you would like to find a way to do this, and you feel that if we put our minds to it and we wear those masks and we stop partying at bars till 2 in the morning, this can be done. So that is the word from Dr. Jason Newland. Did I summarize that properly? <laughs> Sarah Finsky, you were awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And thank you for joining us today. And, and Dr. Newland, again, he's a professor of pediatrics at Washington University and director of the Antimicrobial Stewardship Program at St. Louis Children's Hospital um, and pr- lending his expertise on this really important issue. We're going to stay on this. And, and Dr. Newland, I hope we'll have you back again soon. I'd love to be back. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.